Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning. So, so glad to be here with you today. This is such a fun time of year to be together and to worship. The church is beautiful. You're all beautiful. It's wonderful to, to be together and worship uh, during the season of Advent. This is the second Sunday uh, of Advent. And we've mentioned before, Pastor Kyle has talked about uh, the season of Advent and what that means and how it is uh, made up of the weeks uh, preceding Christmas Uh, And it is a time to reflect on the coming of Jesus into this world and all of the the richness of truth and grace that that entails. It's wonderful. We will never, ever run out of ways to uh, reflect on Jesus during Advent. This year uh, at Crossview... Pastor Kyle uh, has talked, mentioned in his, his message last week that we are kind of centering our reflections uh, this Advent season on the theme of family. What does it mean to be a part of the family of God? And last week, uh, if you recall, Pastor Kyle asked us to be mindful of the ways that God has been at work in our family story uh, today, as well as in our, uh, the history of our family. And I hope you've had a chance to reflect on that uh, a little bit this week and to think about the heritage that you've received from those who have gone before you to think about the love that you share with those uh, in your lives that you have a relationship with today, and also to think about the legacy that you are nurturing uh, to pass on to those who will follow you. But today, today I want to share with you a story about a particular person in the family line of Jesus, which makes this part of our family story as well, right? We who are the family of God. Last week, we looked at how Jesus was born of of the stump of Jesse, or the root of Jesse, uh, from the family line of King David. And today, we're going to go back even farther uh, to the third person in the genealogy of Jesus as it's listed in the Bible. And that takes us all the way back to a man named Jacob. You may know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's the the grandson in in that family. That's who we're talking about today. I wonder if you've heard this saying. I don't know, actually know how common it is, but there's a, a saying about um, uh, kind of the, the dangers, the risks of exploring your own family tree too closely. Uh, the saying goes something like, don't look too close. You might find a horse thief. And I remember, I remember hearing that from my grandfather when I was a little girl. My grandpa said that, and I had no idea that that was a thing. I had no idea it was a saying, right? And I thought that my grandpa had some, like, secret family knowledge of an actual horse thief in our family tree. And so I conjured up as a little girl all sorts of crazy, like, Wild West stories about my family in my mind. But to my knowledge, uh, there are no actual horse thieves in my ancestry. There are some colorful figures, but no, no horse thieves. But it's true that many of us may have some part of our family story uh, that we might not be proud of. And that might be due to the actions of, of people in our family, people of our ancestors, 
uh, or it might be due to our own choices, our own actions, right? And that was certainly true for Jacob. Jacob was quite a character. You know, we've talked these last few months about uh, King David and how, how King David lived a life of faith and reliance upon God, and unfortunately, uh, his life was also punctuated with moments of, of sin and significant failure. Jacob is, Jacob's story is different. Jacob's life is not just punctuated here and there uh, with sin. It was defined by it. Jacob was a wrestler from birth. He had a twin brother named Esau, and the story goes that, uh, that Esau was born first, and that when he was born, Jacob was holding on to Esau's foot, holding on to his heel, as if to pull him back, as if to say, no, I want to be first. I want to be born first. He was not successful, baby Jacob, but he sure tried. He wanted to be first, and that set the tone for Jacob's entire life. And so, at birth, he was given the name Jacob, uh, which can mean, it, it actually has a lot of like cool wordplay in, in his name, but it can mean both to follow or to be behind, as he was the second born, and it also means to supplant, to circumvent, to overreach, to try to get his way. You know, names in the Bible are really important, uh, whether given to a person by their family or given to a person by God. Names have meaning in the Bible. And so from day one, we see that Jacob did whatever he could to be first, whatever he could to get his way. He wanted more than anything to be blessed, and he pursued that by taking matters into his own hands. He lied and cheated and manipulated anyone and everyone that he could if he thought that it would result in what he saw as a blessing. So in the story that I want to share with you today, Jacob is on his way home. He's been away for about 20 years, living and working in his father-in-law's household. But his own father, Isaac, is, is nearing death. And so it's time to go home. And not only was that true, was Isaac uh, nearing death, but also Jacob, for these 20 years, had been swindling his own father-in-law out of significant wealth. And rumors about that were kind of starting to spread around the household. So it was a really opportune time for him to hightail it out of there. And the reason that Jacob had been gone for 20 years, the, the, the reason this started in the first place, is because his brother Esau, remember his twin, wanted him dead. Because when they were younger men, Jacob cheated Esau over and over and over again. As the firstborn in the family, Esau was to have received tremendous blessing from their father, both by way of uh, material inheritance and also a spoken blessing that was, that was meant to be a promise of thriving for Esau and for his descendants. And Jacob tricked Esau out of both of them. And the way that he did that was by deceiving their father. And Esau was mad, and he threatened to kill Jacob for it. 
So Jacob ran away, he got married, and he stayed in his father-in-law's household for 20 years, and now he's ready to go home. And maybe he's leaving uh, to escape the consequences of swindling his father-in-law. Maybe he knows his father is dying and he wants to make sure he receives that inheritance that he stole. Maybe he really is going home to honor his father. Who knows? But he's on his way home. And there's a really big obstacle in his way. To get home, Jacob has to pass through the land where his brother Esau is now living in the land of Edom. And the last that Jacob had heard, remember, was that Esau wanted him dead. And so this was a, a, a dangerous journey that he was taking. Jacob's past sin had broken his family, and he was afraid. So as Jacob and his household approached the land where Esau was living, Jacob started to strategize. He was really good at that. He divided his household into groups, thinking that if Esau attacked one group, maybe the other group might be able to get away. He split his, uh, his, his herds of animals. Remember, he had amassed a quite a bit of wealth from swindling his father-in-law. So he, uh, he took his herds of animals and he split them into smaller herds and he told the herdsmen to, uh, to just approach Esau one herd at a time and to give him the gift of that herd so that he received gift after gift after gift. The Bible says that Jacob thought, I will try to appease Esau by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person... Perhaps he will be friendly to me. And so the gifts were sent on ahead, the family was sent on ahead, and Jacob himself spent the night camping out. So Jacob's here, he's camping out at the side of the river, he's alone overnight, he's afraid of what the next day might hold. And then the story gets really strange. This is in Genesis chapter 32. Starting at verse 24, we find one of the most mysterious uh, stories in the Bible, in my opinion. Let me uh, read it here. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Weird sentences. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I mean, this is a little strange, right? Right in the middle of this story of family brokenness, the stranger shows up and he starts wrestling Jacob all night. What does this have to do with anything? What is happening here? Well, we see, first of all, we see Jacob's ambitious tendency coming out here, right? Jacob sees an opportunity for a blessing. Remember, he has been wrestling for blessings his entire life. Uh, in an Advent book called uh, Roots that Pastor Kyle and I have been looking at these past couple of weeks, Jacob is summed up like this. Jacob was, by all accounts, a wrestler, a resister, a pressurer, a forcer, always to get his own way. He was a man in a struggle his entire life. 
He wrestled with his brother coming out of the womb, and he wrestled a birthright and a blessing from him as well. Jacob psychologically wrestled his father-in-law out of a gift that was not intended for him, and he wrestled, uh, excuse me, wrestled his father out of a gift not intended for him and wrestled with his father-in-law over issues of fairness. Jacob knew how to get his way. So when this stranger showed up, and he started wrestling, Jacob recognized here another opportunity to get ahead. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then the rest of the story, what is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. So there are two really big things here. First of all, we find out that that stranger that Jacob was wrestling, this guy who just showed up in the middle of the night, was actually God. That Jacob was actually wrestling with God. And that just when Jacob thought he was about to win, Jacob thought he was going to, to outsmart or overpower or manipulate God, he has his hip put out of joint by a divine touch. The wrestler has a limp, just like all of us who wrestle with God. And then the second really remarkable thing here is that God gives Jacob a new name. Your name will no longer be Jacob from now on. You will be called Israel because you have fought with God. This is a huge moment in the story of the family of God. This is the birth of Israel. This is the, the birth of the people of God, the family from which Jesus was born. Because Jacob, renamed Israel, was the father of the 12 sons who became the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. And here's what I find so, so fascinating about this name that God gave to Jacob. Because remember we said that names are really significant uh, in the Bible and the story of the family of God, because they have meaning. Israel means wrestles with God, or one who struggles with God. One who struggles with God. That was true for Jacob, now Israel, in this story. And it became true also of the people of Israel, the nation, the family who are highlighted throughout the Old Testament as the very people of God. The Old Testament tells us the story of the many, many ways that Israel wrestled with God and of the many, many limps that they incurred along the way. And this is true for us too. We are the family of God and we are a people who wrestle with God. The fact that God's people in the Bible are named one who wrestles with God 
should give us all great abiding hope. Because what we see in the story of the people of God is that God allows his people to wrestle with him in all of their foolishness or rebellion, in their lostness. God stayed and he let his people wrestle. He did not leave them. He did not overpower them. He stayed. He was faithful. He did not give up on them. He did not give in to their foolishness. And he did not crush them in their frailty. He stayed and he let them wrestle. This is the love of a good parent, right? We do a lot of wrestling within families. We, uh, we wrestle with values and priorities and beliefs and identity. And sometimes that wrestling takes place between a child and a parent. But a good parent does not give up. A good parent doesn't give in to the demands that sometimes might come from a lack of maturity, nor do they crush their child's will or agency nor do they simply refuse to allow a struggle. A good parent is faithful. They say, I see your struggle. I see your questions. I see your doubt and your anger and your fear and your angst, and I'm here. Let's wrestle through this together. And in that space, in that loving and welcoming space that family provides, that's where transformation can happen. That's where we grow and mature and change. And that is true in the family of God as well. As we, as we wrestle with uh, our doubts and questions, our sins and failures, our anger and fear, our character, our identity, God is faithful. He allows us to wrestle with him over and over again. He meets us with a grace that leads us to a place of humility. In the family of God, we get to change. We get second chances. We are allowed to wrestle with God. And in that wrestling, God does not overpower us, but rather empowers us by his Holy Spirit that dwells in us to change into his very likeness. You know, if the family story of Jesus tells us anything, it is that we who are in the family of God, we are an imperfect people. And that within the family of God, when we fall, we can get back up again. When we struggle, God is there, faithfully ready to meet us with his abundant grace that changes us. So what happened to Jacob after he wrestled with God? I don't want to leave you hanging here. We saw that he walked away with a limp. He was humbled in his encounter with God, and that was a very good thing. Because only in humility are we able to receive the grace that God so generously gives. But Jacob's story continues. The Bible tells us that Jacob looked up and saw Esau approaching, and Esau had 400 men with him, which would be pretty intimidating, I would imagine, if you thought that he was coming to get you. Jacob still thought that Esau might try to harm him. But Jacob, now with a limp, went out to meet Esau. 
And here's what happened in uh, Genesis 33 in verse 3, uh, 3 and 4. As Jacob approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Do you know this is the first time in the story of Jacob when we see reconciliation and peace within his family? Something had changed. When we wrestle with God, when we are brought to a place of humility and grace, our lives change. So what does it mean to be a people who wrestle with God? Well, it means that we can bring our questions and our doubts and our emotions to God. We can bring all of it to God. It means that we don't always have to have all the answers, that it's okay to say, I don't know. It means that we can ask God, as the psalmist does, where are you? Why did you let that happen? Do you hear me? Are you there? Are you real? Do you know it's okay to bring those questions to God? He welcomes our questions. He welcomes our cries. And wrestling God also means that we can change, that we are allowed to change, because that's what transformation is. As we learn and grow and mature, you know, we may find that our understanding uh, of our faith, that our understanding of God, changes too. And that's okay. The Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And as we wrestle and change, we start to put away childish ways of speaking and thinking and reasoning. We can take courage from knowing that Jesus is very familiar with those who struggle, with those who have stumbling hearts. Because Jesus came from a people who struggled. It was part of their identity. It was part of their name. It was in their DNA. And we, we are also the people of God. And we also struggle. And we also can be transformed, changed every day more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So how have you wrestled with God? How has Jesus met you in your struggle? How has he met you in your fear or your doubt or your pain? Maybe you're in the middle of a wrestling match right now. Are there areas of resistance in your life that you could let go of? Areas where, where you could surrender your struggle, where you could receive the blessing of humility and grace, and where you can rest. If so, I would encourage you to take that step. But maybe that's not where you are. Maybe you have a ways to go in your current wrestling. That's okay, too. And if that's you, let me encourage you to take heart and to hold on. Because God is faithful, and he will stay with you through all of it, no matter how messy it gets. He will see you through, 
to a place of humility and grace. Worship team, would you come on back up? You know, um, last week, and I'll end with this, last week we, we sang the Advent song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Maybe you know this song. Emmanuel is a name for Jesus that means God with us. So I just want to leave you with the words, the chorus of that song today. It says, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, because God with us will come to you, you who wrestle with God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are, uh, we are so grateful that you are a God who allows us to wrestle with you. We're so grateful, Lord, that uh, you do not abandon us in our struggle, even in our foolishness, even in rebellion, that you were there as a good father, as a loving parent. Thank you, God, for your patience with us and your love for us that will see us through. Uh, Lord, we want to open our hearts to you and ask you, ask Lord that you would uh, that you would continue to let us wrestle, and that you would bring us to a place of humility where we can receive your grace, where we can rest in you. Thank you, God, for giving us, as you did Jacob, uh, a new identity in you, a new name, for bringing us into your family, and for making your story ours. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.